0: recorded live
1: scuba obsessed weekly podcast we talk about all things scuba diving from cool new gear places a dive and scuba news Scoob Obsessed episode 254 is recorded live September 3rd, 2015. Welcome back to Scoob Obsessed. I'm Darren Gilson coming to you from the southwest side of the great state of Michigan where we are approaching a Labor Day weekend. And that means nothing else but more diving. Uh, Mac is having internet difficulties. No phone, no cable, no internet. He may pop in as soon as that gets working, but if not, I will be going solo. Jim is doing thirsty Thursday dives down in the river. When he he finally gets a chance to be back on the show, he's going to have a lot of items to fill us in on. So what we're going to do is we're going to go and jump right on into the news articles which we have to thank Mac for putting together this week. He had them already earlier today. I take it he probably had internet at this point in time. Uh, his, his news articles tend to be a little bit darker than what mine are. Search has been called off for foreign divers missing in Indonesia. This according to scuba scubadiving.com. The search has been called off after a seven days by law, but we decided to extend it three more. This is according to East Kilimantan Search and Rescue Chief Hendra Sadirman. The missing Europeans are part of a group of six tourists, four divers and two snorkelers, who set off on the island a popular diving spot on August 15th. After the four divers surfaced, they asked their guide to swim to their boat and request the captain to collect them from the water, but in the way he encountered trouble and blacked out. He was plucked from the water by a passing boat, taken to a clinic on shore, and the diver's boat, having taken the two snorkeling back to shore, returned to the area to search for divers after it became apparent they had not returned. When the boat diver went back, the divers are gone. He said there were strong currents and large waves in the area at the time. And then we also have, uh, and this one happened about the middle of August, and there's been a lot of good articles written about this, but we had a a diver that was going for a world record, and he didn't quite make it. It was uh, it was uh, Dr. Guy Garman. Garman was attached to a 1,300-foot weighted line. His body and equipment were recovered from the water the following Tuesday morning. One... Uh, his body went away to the medical examiner's equipment to the U.S. Coast Guard custody and be inspected and possibly returned to his family. Medical examiners ruled his death drowning. In addition to seven tanks the German was wearing, 28 other tanks were repaired and ready to be used during the, the dive that was scheduled to last 10 hours and 25 minutes. Two of the most successful deep-diving enterprise in the world publicly warned the crew hired by Dr. Guy Garman to keep them safe If the flawed dive went forward, as described, it most likely and certainly death for Dr. Deep. But the warning was ignored. Andy Davis, who runs Scuba Tech Philippines, said Garmin's dive crew proposed dive plans are so potentially disastrous they did not believe at first that they would seriously attempt such a suicidal mission. At first, they thought it was a hoax. And I've I've heard quite a few people talk on this i i'm really not a deep diving expert so i don't have a lot to add too bad mac wasn't here because he would have something to fill in but it's one of those things i that uh, when you start getting into super deep a lot of things happen and um, we had uh, steve lewis who's been in the show and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes to his blog Uh, he didn't specifically talk about this but he talked in generalities about the risks of deep diving and everything that has to go planned and just as you start getting at those super deep depths the type of physiology that even technical diving doesn't completely account for so on the ecology front uh polo palo torches illegal fishing vessels Palau is the latest to seize and burn v- Vietnamese fishing boats, incarcerate their caption, and repatriating, repatriating the fishermen to Vietnam empty-handed. Authorities found more than eight tons of sea cucumbers and reef fish aboard four boats, which were towed to the sea and set afire. We hope to send a very clear message to poachers who are raping our marine environment. This is Palau's President Tommy E. Rimagorso, Jr., He told National Geographic, we will not tolerate any more unsustainable acts. Palau guarantees you return with nothing. In 2004, Palau, which created the world's first sanctuary in 2009, announced it would designate 230,000 square miles of territorial water as marine protected area. And that is certainly an effective way. I think if you take away their ability to fish in the financial incentive to do so, then you'll be able to enforce your, your laws. Uh, We have an an action to fight invasive lionfish, working to enact rapid response protocols, removals of invasive lionfish to assist scientific investigations relating to problems. This is being done in Key Largo, Florida. In 1994, the project, powered by an army of divers, dive shops, and partners, uh, target the reef's invasive lionfish program to take an active approach to combating non-native species, protecting the marine ecosystem in the Atlantic Caribbean and Gulf of Mexico. First thing they say is eat more lionfish. Lionfish aren't merely edible. They're delicious. A growing number of restaurants have added lionfish to their menus, opting for lionfish at a restaurant to help increase demand, which in turn supports local fishermen who make their livelihoods hunting the invasive creatures. Plus, lionfish have... Higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids and other fish are lower in mercury and saturated fats. They said, "Get competitive. Want to be in the front lines of the fight? Grab your gear and head out for as many dive shops hosting lionfish derbies. Bring these reef-sanctioned events. Team of divers spend the day netting and spearing many lionfish as they can get their hands on. Prizes awarded to teams that catch the most, biggest, and smallest lionfish. Want to host a derby?" They say you can go to reef.org lionfish events to find out how. And they said you could also download the tech savvy conservationists you could download the report uh, report Florida lionfish app. The Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation worked with a developer to create the app, which allows users to submit photos, document lionfish sightings or harvest, and provide information about the invasive species. It's free and available available on iOS devices. And you can find more information at reef.org. On the conservation news, researchers have published in Marine Ecology Progress Series Journal find predatory fishes such as grouper, tuna, swordfish, and sharks are in deep trouble, having declined by two-thirds in the 20th century, with predatory fish often the top choice for seafood lovers. Overfishing these species can have detrimental consequences for ocean ecosystems because when the big fish are away, the little fish will play. The study, a century of fish biomass decline in the ocean finds that with carnivorous fish like grouper and tuna on the downsize, small prey species such as anchovy sardines have seen a population uptick with 55% decline occurring in the past 40 years the sharpest dip seems to have been between 1970 and 1990 according to study and then the numbers have leveled off somewhat this does not mean however that conditions have started to improve globally we have found no in- indications of an increase in biomass of predatory fish the study says there may be regional improvements however this is not evident yet of a global scale a collaborative effort led by the professor university of british columbia's Fisheries center this study supports what marine scientists have known for some time, predatory fish are in trouble. Predators are important in maintaining healthy ecosystems. Uh, Christian uh, told Scientific America also, where we have a collapse of larger fish, it has taken many decades for them to rebuild. According to the Independent Union of Conservation of Nature, red list of special, uh, threatened species, 11% of tuna, 12% of grouper, and 24% of sharks and ray species are threatened with extinction. And if you like to do beach cleanups, and I think I just heard a bleep. Oh, that's Jim Schultz. Let's see if he's available. Hello. Hello, Thirsty Thursday Diver. How'd it go?
2: Uh, I was not Thirsty Thursday diving.
1: Oh, you weren't?
2: No. I had a firehouse board meeting that I couldn't do a Thirsty Thursday dive because of. But I forgot about the firehouse board meeting and ended up doing a find the bridge dive.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Mr. Hack uh,
1: No, he is having internet problems. Ah. So, I was going solo. If you want, you can jump in and help me finish this off.
2: Sure. Going to plug me in and I'll Okay. Be able to give you my full attention in a couple minutes.
1: Okay. Well,
2: in the meantime, I'll just give play by play commentary. Certainly. You do the play by play, and I'll do the color.
1: Okay. <laughs> that works. And we have, uh, I'd like to thank everybody who's in the chat room. We do have uh, Roger, Vanessa, and Mark jumped in. And let's see, where was I? Ah, environmental cleanup. Uh, there's a microplastics cleanup that is being. So, One of the first ones I've heard about, this one is in Florida during this year's eco-week in the Florida Keys. Oh, and it looks like we've already missed it. That was uh, August 15th to the 23rd, Wayland Ocean Realm team spearheaded the first ever microplastic beach cleanup. Most consider a beach cleanup as getting out and picking up plastic and other non-biodegradable objects off the beach. But what many don't know is there's even a larger problem looming and it's the Plastic debris that's under 5 millimeters in size. And what they're describing as microplastics, they say anytime you wash clothes, and I assume they mean polyester because you wouldn't have the problem with cotton, it releases 2,000 particles into the water system and it's showing up in ocean water from Maine to Palau, killing some wildlife that mistakably eat them and leaching toxins into the food supply. Many marine animals ingest the plastic, including mollusks and clams. All spectrum of marine life has a potential to ingest these small particles. Once ingested by animals, microplastics can be taken up and stored in tissues and cells. This bioaccumulation of pollutants can have negative consequences for wildlife and humans. Many common household items include cleaning supplies, toothpaste that have plastic microbeads in them. This according to Stewart. Plastic beads are also produced with larger plastic items like bottles and bags break down. Uh, they were looking for volunteers in addition to diving and kayaking and nature activities in the Keys. They were looking for people to assist in cleaning of the beaches to volunteer. They said that uh, volunteers were able to email beachcleanup at com, and they also had a Facebook page. Now, how do you clean up microplastics, do you think?
2: Very slowly. Piece a time.
1: Yeah, so there's going to be the – you'd have to <laughs> – yeah, I don't. If you sifting? did fit
2: one piece at a time, it would be very slow. Yes,
1: <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, I picture a Monty Pythonish sketch of uh, people with magnifying glasses and tweezers combing through the sand, but there must be some way that they're looking at it. I know that a lot of uh, waste treatment plants are having problems, and they're looking at evaluating ways of cleaning up microplastics, but it is a challenge. Cosmetic industry, I believe, has come to an agreement where they're going to remove all microplastics from their products. I would like to have somebody actually do a study, and it seems like it would be something fairly simple to do where you determine what happens to microplastics when they are ingested by marine creatures. Because I'm assuming, because the microplastics, you know, plastic is a, a polymer. You've got oils that have been heated, cooked, distilled into you know, strands. I'm sure like if, if a human eats them, we're breaking that down. Now the, the elements are going to be broken into chemical compounds and those could have unexpected effects. But I have to believe that acids in stomachs would actually break them down and that would be the end. It wouldn't, it wouldn't be microplastics any longer.
2: Well, microplastics float, correct?
1: I think it depends. I think you can have some that float and some that sink. Uh, I, I bet it's just the the density.
2: Uh, hmm, okay. Because well,
1: well, we see plastic bottles in the bottom.
2: That's true. That's true.
1: So the, the, it would just have to be the density. I think that yeah. as they break down, they could go anyway. Stuff that stuff that sinks is is going to get into the sediment and and just stay there, especially in a, in like that's say probably like probably Michigan. That's probably the That's probably where the mollusks, where the
2: mollusks and the bottom feeders get it.
1: But I'd like to see some studies, and I'm sure they could do it. But I haven't seen anything yet. So while well, I'm in favor of trying to reduce it, it it's a challenge. How, if So say they decide that micro, microplastics are the worst thing ever and we have to get rid of them just from clothing. I mean, polymers, oh, my gosh. the uh, Polyester is just an amazing material for, like, dive undergarments. Almost all the dive undergarments are all polyester-based. Very effective. You know, you could always go back to natural fibers, but. I think we need a little bit more not information. If stay,
2: not if you want to stay warm.
1: Yeah. A bunch of people in merino wool bikinis. And here's another article Mac had. This one is uh, was from scuba com, and it was a Dan, and they were asking, is it safe to dive while taking cholesterol medication? Yes. 50-year-old. you think so?
2: I can tell you it
0: is.
1: Oh, you've looked. <laughs> a, a 50-year-old male diver recently. I haven't was died recent- yet. <laughs> was placed on medication for high cholesterol by his doctor. and individual is leaving for a week-long dive trip. Want to know if there's anything that he needs to be concerned about due to the medication. And Dan said they commonly field this question. Cholesterol medications such as Lipitor, Crestor, Zocar are classified as statins, which reduce LDL cholesterol and inflammation in the arteries. Divers who take cholesterol medications should be aware of some important things. They said side effects. Like many drugs, statins have a unique... Array of side effects. Muscle pain is the most common. It may feel like aches, tiredness, weakness in your muscles. It's important to note that this before diving, not be confused with DCS symptoms. Some other side effects could interfere with diving include difficulty breathing, fatigue, digestive problems, cognitive dysfunctions, and or increased blood sugar or type 2 diabetes. Also, certain conditions can intensify the side effects of statins. If you're over 65, taking multiple medications, consuming alcohol, or having kidney and or uh, kidney and or liver disease, you may be in a higher risk group for side effects. Some side effects could be confused with decompression illness. If you develop new symptoms after a dive, assume they are caused by diving until a physician confirms their origin. And And Dan said no matter what the side effects, you should not stop taking the medication without asking your doctor. They said uh, if you're o- if a di- if you're a diver over 45 and taking statins for medical reasons, you must answer yes to at least two questions on the Recreational Scuba Training Council medical statement. And those questions are: Are you previously taking prescription medications? And they also said the other one is that if you're over 45 and have a high cholesterol level, they said in particular these two answers might sink- signal out pre-existing conditions that can affect your safety while diving and call. For a thorough medical examination, it's important to remember that before any dive, you must be required to fill out a new medical statement. And are answering yes, you should be denied permission to dive. What?
2: Read that one again. It says it's,
1: it's, it says it's important to remember that any dive, before any dive, you may be required to fill out a new RSTC medical statement. And by answering yes, you could be denied permission to dive. They said most dive operators will accept evidence of recent medical clearance from your doctor. Make sure you check with the dive operator in advance. So what they're doing is they're saying that a dive shop is perfectly in their rights to deny you to dive if you answer those questions truthfully. So they're pretty much, so if you had a dive shop, yeah. Well, we've had divers in the club run into this, not necessarily this one, but uh, we had the one who was on the cruise ship. And they had, he had booked a dive, and when he got there, they, they said they didn't let anybody over 70 dive. Yeah. So those are the type of things you want to check on. So if you've got this and you know that it could be an issue, you want to check with your dive operators in advance.
2: Um, or get a physician's, or a recent physician statement saying yes. you're cleared to dive. Yes. I had an interesting conversation with my doctor because he, he knows I dive, and he always asks me about how my dives have been and what's going on, et cetera, et cetera. I went to him a while back and was having some chest pain when I was walking up the hill after a dive. And so I said, Doc, I think it's time that we do a, a stress test. And he asked me why. And I said, well, I've been diving with my doubles. And <clears throat> after a you know a half hour, 45 minute dive, um, when I come out of the water, I take off my fins and grab my gear. And I you know start walk out of the water, uh, start climbing the hill to get back up to the parking lot. And he said, well, how far is the walk? I said, oh, you know, maybe 100 yards. Well, how high is the hill? Yeah, probably 30, maybe 40 feet. Yeah, it's probably more like 30 feet when we go up the hill. And he said, and you're carrying your doubles when you do this? Yeah. He said, you don't need a stress test. You just had one every time you walk up that hill. <laughs> okay. So does the pain go away? Yeah. Okay. You're fine. Keep doing it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Thanks,
1: Doc. Yeah, well, I guess that's good. I mean, that's a it's a little bit comforting, even though you think of it. Uh, oh, hold on here. Okay, so let's see what time this is. This was 2420. Let me put that in the show notes. You probably didn't hear it on your end, but everybody in the stream did. That was uh, a video coming up on a web page. They're just getting so annoying now. Mm. Our next article is the USS Mission San Miguel appears to have been discovered. World War II ship was discovered in the Northwest Hawaiian Islands. In 1957, the USS Mission San Miguel left Guam en route to Seattle. The military tanker ran aground on Morro Reef, and the crew was forced to abandon ship. Until two weeks ago, nobody had set eyes on the shipwreck. It was in 80 feet of water where it sits in the sandy bottom, and we think 20 feet of the ship is still under the sand. This is according to Jason Rupp. Marine heritage field leader. Marine archaeologist had expected to find the ship in pieces. Instead, you have a largely intact structure with steering wheel and helm still standing. It was a pretty exciting moment to find the remote area. The National Monument came as part of a large expedition, mapping the coral reefs in the Marine Preserve. We were there four days and spent three, and a half, uh, three of the four of their time looking for the San Miguel, uh, said Scott Goodwin, chief scientist on board the NOAA ship two marine science students were among the research crews were crestfallen that they didn't find their target after searching for almost a day and a half (laughs) jim a a day and a half of, of shipwreck hunting and you're a little put out you can't find the a shipwreck wow uh and you're like oh my gosh are we ever going to find this we spent so much time why can't we find this spot i don't mean to make light of it but that's that's only somebody who is not hunted for shipwrecks could ever have that expectation. This is a this is what Melissa Price, a master student at East Carolina University, said, I have been interested in Pacific Northwest Island since I was in middle school and have always wanted to go out there. This is according to Rebecca Weebly, uh, University of Hawaii Marine Biology, but the budding marine scientists would not be disappointed. They said our Coxswain was great. He kept his eye on the sounder and he saw some reef and sounder and he said, you should dive here. Uh, Rupp said the, he took a look at those two, and their eyes were as big as pie plates. It was great to get them to see their aha moment. Rupp says they got lucky. Visibility was excellent. Just one day left in the schedule. Just enough time to record the images. And there is a video in the article, which is what, if I cut it out properly, you won't hear. Uh, but this it was in pretty good shape. It's not that deep, and it, it must have been... Saved from many of the storms. 60 years, but yes, the, after, after a day and a half, to be disappointed that you're not finding a shipwreck.
2: Well, you know, Odyssey Marine finds two wrecks every half hour on their show, so. Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah, the, the one, one way to find a lot of shipwrecks is first find, all the, find the shipwrecks, take the time, remove all the dead space, and you can probably get it to a couple every hour. Yeah. I think part of their expectation on this one is the fact that they had reports and they probably pr- pretty much were confident they knew where it should be because it looks like the people were covered. This is in 57, so seems like you should have pretty good navigation reference. I wonder why nobody had gone out and looked for it further. So this is off the island. Do they say how far away? It's in 80 feet of water. You now, it hit a reef. So, you know, it wasn't too, too deep, but they don't give it. It's in a preserve. Hmm. Oh, and I've been bad. I haven't been given the chat room the show notes. I think part of it is I just... that was just one multitask too much for me today. So what do you think wine tastes like when it's been aging in the bottom of the water? So what they're doing is this one was a bottle of wine that was recovered from a Civil War shipwreck. After 151 years, they decided to taste it. Uh, Let's see what date was this uh, tasted. Uh, This is from... No, it's it's an older article, back from in March. They said the old bottle of wine containing a gray liquid was recovered intact four years ago from an 1864 wreck of the Mary Celeste blockade runner that sank off the coast of Bermuda. It was sampled by one expert being submerged for 151 years. A small verdict at the Food Festival in Charleston, South Carolina, is the gray wine actually smelled and tasted like crab water? Gasoline, saltwater, vinegar, with hints of citrus and alcohol.
2: With hints of citrus and alcohol. (laughs) Yes.
1: (laughs) In a way, only a wine sommelier would put together.
2: Mm
0: -hmm.
1: It could have been a Spanish fortified wine or spirit or even a medicine, but after spending a century, half at the bottom of the ocean is now mostly saltwater. About 50 people bought tickets to the Charleston wine and food event titled from Deep Below, a wine event 150 years in the making, and they tasted the drink. I've had shipwreck wines before, said Master Sommelier Paul Roberts. They can be great. A, a sample smelled like camphor, stagnant water, harbocydrins, harbocydrin, harbocydrins, harbo- hydrocarbons, hydrocarbons, turpentine, go. sulfur, wine chemist Pierre-Louis Tridrier. Tris- Tris- and it's a French name, so I probably mispronounced letters the university of bordeaux said after analyzing samples it showed it was 37 percent alcohol wow that's the, that's pretty good if it's they thought it was mixed with seawater yeah so it had to have been a pretty high concentration or just the hints of it got in the wine was one of five sealed bottles recovered by marine archaeologists from the iron sidewheel steamship that sank under mysterious circumstances during the u.s civil war the boat was leaving Bermuda with supplies for the Confederate States when it struck a reef and sank in six minutes. This is according to What's cultural... What's
2: so about that?
1: Yeah, well, you know people they had to get worked <clears throat> up over something. Okay. Whether the sinking was deliberate or accidental has been debated. Philippe and his brother Jean-Pierre Rougeau were diving in a shipwreck in 2011 after winter storms swept over the site when they found a bottle of wine inside a secret Botswans' locker and the bow. Subsequent dives turned up additional bottle, as well as sealed bottles of perfume, women's shoes, hairbrushes, and pearl shell buttons. This year marks 150th anniversary, the end of the Civil War, which was fought from 1861 to 1865 and began in Charleston Harbor with the Battle of Fort Sumter. Sumter, Sumter. I added an extra syllable in there, I think. Well, that's. It that kind of reminds us of the dives we've been doing this year, where new parts of wrecks have been exposed. But I don't think we're going to be finding
2: wine bottles uh we keep looking yeah i haven't found any yet but we'll keep looking actually i haven't found any bottles on that wreck
1: i have heard of people finding bottles on shipwrecks but i've i have not other non-modern bottles occasionally you'll see a plastic bottle that will work its way there let's see what's next up and mac had some equipment too first bit of gear was aqualung wet suit that lets you fly underwater. This one sounds familiar.
2: Oh, we did, we it, covered this it one It just quote. looks like a flying suit. How it would work underwater, I can understand. But The problem is you can't get your arms up over your head.
1: You know, Quick do like, your valve drills.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so it does kind of have a web look. I did I, th- I think we did see a video where somebody was going along with this. They said you kind of glide through the water like a man array. This project shows the similarities between air and water environments, finding the main difference with density Then a smooth and slow flight expresses how powerful emotions and feelings the underwater world generate on human being. They said it allows free divers to soar through the water at all at a much slower pace than their aerial counterparts. Aqualung has not decided if they plan on making the suit into our production model. Now I've seen that video. That's, it's interesting. I, it looks cool, definitely not for me. I can't hold my breath that long. I, yep, not. I'd, I'd, I'd have to try. I'd have to gear up, but you couldn't put gear on that. It'd, you'd have to cut holes in that flap. You'd have to like sew buttonholes or something mm-hmm. to get straps through. Yeah, yeah. Definitely, definitely meant for free divers. Then Aquastar USA has come up with a two-man underwater scooter.
2: It, it's a sit-on type scooter.
1: Yeah, we've we've seen this one too. This one's from uh, phys.org and this is and I think they've these are this is from oh this is a this article's probably a, about 4 years old. And I've actually seen these at resorts. Oh, I see what the difference is. They have a one-man scooter and now they've got a two-man scooter, which it's like they take the helmet cuz you've seen these. It looks like a like a a scooter, but then you've got built into the scooter's a helmet that sits over your head and there's a oxygen not oxygen tank Guy sound like a, a novice a air tank and uh it, it supplies you well, in this particular one that's you're riding like you would two people on a motorcycle and it just the hood's bigger with a larger port and it zooms around it'd be cool though i could see i could see it being fun yep.
2: yeah uh, a resort toy
1: Yeah. shallow water says it's it's able to travel at speeds up to 3.1 miles per hour which is pretty decent depth of 12 meters uh, about 40 feet and um yeah i wonder what damage that would do to a reef though you run that into something you're gonna make a mess
2: yeah i'll
1: bet uh batteries can last for two and a half hours if you want pricing you have to contact aquastar usa and their website is aquascooters.com if they're even around let's click on the link what can go wrong and it goes to a website that's rev, uh, reviewing gay hotels. Okay. Well, maybe you might not want to click that. I'm taking that their sales didn't go too well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Make a mental note. you got to check that out before the show. Well, I have had almost no opportunity to go diving, and I don't think, well, I might be able to. It depends. I My wife said I could go diving this weekend, but I thought everybody's going to be in Sheboygan.
2: This weekend? Yes, and this There's weekend. only going to be three of us up there. Oh, Okay.
1: I'll have to see if anybody's around. Maybe I'll try and but connect on diving. But you've been getting some diving in, I understand.
2: I've been getting a lot of diving in.
1: Now I heard that you have you found a like a mutant glass vessel of some sort. A
2: glass vessel.
1: Yeah, yeah like you know we're looking for bottles, the, the like the the ones that Mac throws away because he has so many of them.
2: Yes. Well, I found. Let's see, um, a. Medicine bottle from somewhere between 1874 and 1883, because that's the only time it was produced, and a couple other medicine bottles, a couple milk bottles, a uh, five-gallon open top pickling crock, about a pint size, or maybe more of a—yeah, it's a little more than a pint size. Maybe it's not not quite a quart, but a, uh, a crock-type bottle. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. What else have we got recently?
1: Now, the milk bottles, those those had some embossing, didn't they?
2: Yeah. Yeah, they were Servco. Okay. Milk bottles, which was just, you know, a common company. Um, trying to think what else we had in the goodie bag in the last couple of weeks. Now, we pulled those out of the river. We had actually, a bunch of us had some really good finds in the river. Uh, we dove the river last Thursday night on a thirsty Thursday dive just to get out and get wet. And. Let's see, I hit the river, I hit the river at the picnic, which was Saturday, and then went back to the river on Sunday, then went back to the river on Thursday, and then we went out, uh, Bob did a dive with some people, oh, Sunday, the following Sunday we went out to the Havana, and Bob did a dive on that Saturday at the pier, and Randy lost a weight bag, so we went back last night looking for his weight bag, and I picked up a... Goody bag you know that big yellow goodie bag of mine yeah it's full of golf balls i mean full of (laughs) golf balls i haven't counted but there's got to be a couple hundred golf balls in the bag
1: well with the with a that golf course that they got that's right on the lake now not far from there it's not surprising that the golf ball population there at the pierhead is picked up
2: yeah we got a bunch of them so we also found the weight bag and then tonight I was doing a, uh, looking for a bridge,
1: a, you were a dental looking
2: bridge. F- oh, yeah. that's right. A dental okay. bridge. I had a guy contact me about a month ago. He had lost, he had fallen in the water off his boat and lost his bridge at the dock. Mm-hmm. So I went out and searched for it. Couldn't find it. Did the first search. It's a real soft muck. So I did the first search, you know, just two or three inches down to see if maybe it got caught in the muck. Nothing the first time around. So I went back over the same area and went down about six inches into the muck. Still no bridge. So finally I went down to where it's, you know, hard and almost clayey where you got to kind of squeeze it to get it to open up or break apart. Yep. And still nothing. So I let it settle out, went back today with some lines and laid out a grid pattern and then used the underwater metal detector on it Uh to search within the grid patterns. You know, so I made sure I covered the whole area. And I brought up, uh, let's see, maybe a dozen bottle caps (laughs) and a cell phone and a switch with a relay built into it uh, and a three-pronged fishing hook. Oh, wonderful. You know, about one inch long. Now, I figure if the metal detector is sensitive enough to pick up a three-pronged fishing hook buried three or four inches down into the muck, you probably should find this guy's bridge work, but nothing yet. Okay. So I think we're about to the point of taking the, uh, the bottom sucker out there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was kind of my next thing is, but in that case, but, uh, you're going to have to set up a screen, don't you for that?
2: Yeah. And that's going to be a little trickier because normally we don't, right we don't screen the, uh, the output of the bottom sucker. Right. But I think we're going to have to on this one. So,
1: now, we, th- would you think of maybe doing a, like, make a floating screen and then yeah, because run the, the output Yeah, because visibility's
2: going to go to crap no matter what. So, yeah, we may just pump it right on up and dump it into a, put an elbow on it, dump it into a bucket or something with a floating screen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Either that or yeah. just put a very large bag on the end of it. So, that, you know, a, a small, a very large screen bag. Yeah. So, a net type screen on mm-hmm. it. So, we don't have to worry about making a really bad mess. But that's probably something we will do uh, maybe later in September after a lot more boats are out of the the harbor, the marina, because it's sure going to make a mess when we open it up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then you'll have a lot of, you'll let less eyeballs on it, the better off probably as well. Yeah. Let's see. Who's that? Was that Mac pulling in? Let's check. There he is. Howdy! Hello. I take you it you're online. Yeah,
0: we're online. Yes, oh, I couldn't so you, get in and talk to you at all. Kept kicking me out. But not exactly. Didn't like you. Yeah. So, how far along are you? We,
2: we're, we're talking diving.
1: Yeah, we're talking diving. We made it all the way through the news. Excellent. Was there was there anything in the news that you wanted to talk about since you you picked it out?
0: i uh, Well, I haven't looked at the show notes since my computer just came back on, so I'm not sure what you used.
1: (laughs) I used yours. (laughs) I used yours, and then I added a couple at the end.
0: Yeah, I'm just trying to do the updates because, you know, they called off the search for those four divers. They normally only do it for a week, but they did it for two weeks and no luck. And then I thought it was interesting, that second part where we talked about the uh, doctor who died on that uh, very deep dive. yes. And there's t- uh, quite a bit of controversy on some of that. Well, and some of the information I've seen is conflicting because if the guy was on a tether to 1,300 feet, how did his body wind up on shore? Why are they pulled him up? Uh, and I read two reports from different papers, local, that uh, he was on the shore. Because if he'd have been on the line, they wouldn't have had to wait three days to find him or pick him well, up. day
1: they wait three days to find him?
0: Well, they found him on a Tuesday. and I thought it happened on a Sunday or a Saturday. It was quite interesting. Then a couple of the articles uh, that that did condolences, and they didn't really call anybody what they really thought of it, but he was told in no uncertain terms that what he was doing is totally foolhardy.
1: Yeah, there was a lot of people who looked over the type of diving he did, and it, they they said it was so out of whack of being reasonable that they thought at first it was a joke, that they well, were being it, pranked.
0: Yeah, right. And I think the other item that I noticed on one of the articles was talking about when they looked at his dive computer, he was down, I think, total time, eight minutes. And he he got no deeper than 200 feet. And so, what the hell happened between zero and 200 feet? Yeah. I think uh... that one item, too, is since he had a bunch of tanks with him, plus I think, what did I say, 28 stage tanks,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and he was set to dive, he couldn't have floated. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. if that's true, then how did he wind up on shore? Unless at 200 feet or below or before that he had problems, kicked on his air and gave enough buoyancy to, to, to die, basically, come up and get washed into shore. So I, that's going to be interesting to hear more about that one.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, Steve Lewis, who we had on the show, he wrote in his blog, which is at uh, decodopler.wordpress.com and it says, Factors in Deep scuba diving and uh he talks about the the recent depth uh death at 1200 foot of an open circuit scuba yeah and then he references and he says in the personal blog andy davis has made some good attempts at answering some specifics related to human factors and the possibility role of garmin's fatal last dive but without wanting to comment specifics about garmin's episode here are a list of some potential pitfalls that await any future record attempts so what Steve did is he, he looked at it. doesn't matter who you are. Here's what the problems you're going to have to go to. Yeah. He said, oh, and let's ignore the vagaries of decompression, actually coming back from depths, which is a huge challenge itself, and look only at the first magnitude challenges divers would face at an extreme depth. He said the first issue is with breathing hydro, with breathing helium below a couple hundred meters. Uh, one might say that high-pressure neurological syndrome, HPNS is to deep-diving on helium what nitrogen is to deep-diving on air. But rather than classic symptoms and signs of inert gas narcosis, slowing of brain functions in the stupor, HPNS manifests itself in in myoclonic jerks, brief shock-like seizures of muscle and groups' muscles, dizziness, nausea, vomiting, and eventually coma and depth. In effort, HPNS seems to cause the elevation of brain functions in layperson terms that, paint a mind picture most of us can appreciate, HPNS results in diverse nervous system short-circuiting. A depth at which HPNS develops in severity and signs and symptoms is more closely related to the rate of compression rather than the depth or helium partial pressure being breathed, which means that the faster one drops in a column of water, the shallower symptoms will occur and the more severe they are. Steve says in his article that he was taught that helium depth for potential HPNS on bounce dives is as low as 17 bar ATA, and that depending on the proportions of the mix and whether it's helium, heliox, or trimix, can be a factor as shallow as 180 meters. So he's saying that if you go down very fast on helium at 180 meters, you can have this problem. Which, if you have those symptoms, you're as good as dead.
0: Yeah, and I read those those same items, and it's uh, it was quite interesting. And it very complex.
1: Yeah.
0: It almost you gotta, sounds, to me, a, the smartest way to have done that, even though you're scuba, is to use a full face mask. That way, if you did right. go unconscious, you're still going to have gas to breathe so you won't drown. And I believe uh, the, the uh, report said he drowned. Right. And I assume they're talking wet drowning, not dry drowning. But they didn't say. Yeah. But very interesting. Uh, the other two items I thought were interesting that I didn't know if anybody had comments on is... The mental health, um, the, the, the item there for the survey, if anybody's taken that yet, that's worthwhile doing because the more divers that take it, the more information. So I, I would encourage people if they didn't, and they've got that link to uh, fill out that survey. And that was what? SurveyMonkey.com?
1: Which survey are you talking about? Did I miss that? That one? was
0: the medical. There At the end of it where it says um, researchers study the relationship between scuba diving and mental health. Or did you well, miss out? You didn't get
2: to, or didn't talk about tonight?
1: Yeah, I didn't talk about it. I don't. Oh, I know. I. Oh, I skipped that one. Yeah. Okay. Well, let, we can go back and cover it. it says researchers study the relationship between scuba diving and mental health. DDrC Healthcare a Charity, specializing in medical medicine, has been t- t- conducting an anonymous health of divers project since 2000. Since then, has presented dive-centric research on illicit drug use, attitudes towards the use of alcohol, cardiac health, dental health marguerite dows who's running to study oh that's somebody's name thought it was a disease no who's no. running to study <laughs> explains uh, each part of the project led to the next and ultimately inspired research in the study of mental health of divers well we're all crazy we know that the goals of the mental health study are to examine the mental fitness of a diver in more detail and find prevalence of divers with depression currently there are few resources of peer-reviewed literature regarding mental health and recreational divers divers grow into their illness accept their health is a norm and continue to dive often without understanding the possible risks to either themselves or their diving companions says dows when asking what mental health issues are commonly overlooked by divers? As we hope that our data, because it's anonymous, will give us an inclusion regarding this fact. Anonymous survey asked participants common questions such as age, gender, medication, weight, and height. They said, fair warning will test your ability to convert to the metric system and smoking and alcohol consumption habits. Additionally, it inquires about panic and anxiety before and after dive, along with how a diver's general anxiety levels begin with the past two weeks before taking the survey. On um, not at all severe days, more than half days, every day scale, participants will be asked 50 questions, but the survey's estimate take only five to six minutes overall. Dow suggests divers should seek advice from physicians experienced in dive medicine if they're having health issues or concerns that might affect their ability to dive safely. Participants in the survey go to, and it's SurveyMonkey in a number, so we'll have links in our show notes to it.
0: And, and I like that one because several items they're talking about, not just the, the physical aspect or the mental, uh, is the drugs that you may be taking, um, you know, the anxiety drugs uh, like serotonin, you know, boosters, things like that. Because that's not uncommon for people to be taking that. So from that aspect, what is the effect that medication has on a diver would be quite interesting, which led into the second one, which as all we, we you know, we're getting older, how many people take cholesterol medication, you know? Right. Uh, what's that? So Lipitor, Crestor, Zucar, and there's some other generics, I believe, out there. But what effect that, does that have on you? And then when they start talking about, look at the other difficulties you may be having, or, you know, like diabetes, or not right. even diabetes, but you may be prone to that. Uh, they also talked about, well, what if you're over 65 taking that? So this was quite interesting, and it applies to a lot of members of our dive club, yeah, and you get down to it. So I was I was quite interested in that to see what their answer would be, and uh, I didn't get all the stuff I wanted to. Except they did have a little item in here that talked about some of the side effects could be you know like they said could be confused with for decompression illness. So they're saying yeah. if you develop new symptoms after dive, don't assume they were caused by your medication. You know, you assume that it's a it's a decompression issue, and you know, treat for that to find out maybe there's something that kicked it in or something. It, it was quite interesting. So hopefully, yeah, the, people the, would take a look at that uh, Dan issue.
1: Yeah, and and the the thing that we that I pulled out of that was if you're going to travel, make sure you check ahead of time what the charter's expectation are is, and are you filling out that form? Right. If you've got that, there, there's that
0: a, there, there's a lot of good articles out there, especially with Dan. It's uh Let's say you are diving. You did a hard charging three days days of diving, did a fly down to someplace, dove, flew home. And it says, so you're at 8,000 feet and your plane depressurizes. What happens to you? And it's interesting. They said that if you look at your chart, pretend that you're doing a high altitude dive at 8,000 feet, compare that profile with the profile that you're suddenly at 8,000, and you're going to see yourself, you're in a world of hurt. Yeah, and that's why they always say you really want to give yourself a full twenty-four hours before you fly back. So I thought that was interesting. And d- did you take a look at the DIY for the underwater breathing device?
1: DIY uh, underwater. breathing Do
0: it yourself. Guy makes DIY DIY underwater breathing dev- device. Oh, that works.
1: Yeah, we didn't we didn't cover that, but uh, that was that was good. Uh, it was a competition in UK. That's the, the named after the guy who invented the Dyson. And I think he might even sponsor it. And it's, it seems to be aimed at college students. But what this guy had done is he created a tiny underwater breathing device. And he said you can make it yourself. I don't, it doesn't The, seem,
0: the video is really good. Yeah. So they said uh, the uh, device uses
1: a, they said the device uses a water nebulizer, also known as a water mister. It's the core of the apparatus. It's uh, a handheld pump which you normally use to pressurize water enough for it to spray in your face. So what he, what the idea was is that when it's on the surface, it uses a battery to compress air into this little tank. You then go down and you can get, was it a couple minutes?
0: Well, actually, it it's not, doesn't even use a battery. It's a hand pump. Oh. And he, he uses two of them in tandem. Uh, and it goes through how to make them. It looks its pretty cool. And he said it basically would give you maybe two breaths. Okay. But when he was using it, depend on your depth, you're talking, he dove at one meter and did a long, less than three feet. It was great. Um. You maybe got a breath maybe at 20 feet. But still, considering what he's working with, it, it's quite interesting. But like he said, you got to be freaking careful. And if you're not a diver, you probably wouldn't want to be doing this. Yeah. Well, it's I'm, an
1: interesting idea.
0: Yeah. Did, did you guys happen to see the new movie by uh, Tom Cruise, Rogue Nation? No, I, I haven't. haven't. I have seen that. And one of the scenes on that, well, actually two I really love. You've seen the, the, the trailers for it, right? Where he's on the outside of the freaking airplane? Yeah. Okay. You know he did that nine times?
1: Oh, the the take?
0: Yeah. No. They well, yeah, but they I mean he actually got up there and was, was strapped to the outside of the aircraft. It took off, went up to five thousand feet, they got their, their, their pictures, but he wound up doing that nine times to get the takes they wanted. And most people wow. don't realize, it, but Tom Cruise is a skydiver. And he's also a scuba diver. Yeah. And then the last part is and you'll find yourself holding your breath or looking at your watch because I know I did when he has to go through this Taurus container to to do some wonderful items. Bottom line is he's doing six minutes of underwater holding his breath <laughs> in a whirlpool. Oh, yeah. And it's yeah. like when you're down there, you're watching him. You're, I mean, I'm looking at my my watch. Saying, okay, how long can he do this? How long does it take? And it was interesting to find out that he actually had training, you know, by those people who do that free diver training, breath techniques. Yeah, we
1: we covered uh, that uh, in when they were as they were filming the movie. You know, they uh-huh. leaked stuff out uh, out about the movie to create some buzz. But uh, he hasn't been a, a certified diver all that long, which is kind of surprising.
0: Yeah, but again, for a breath hole. <laughs> <Yeah>. Well, <laughs> You're well it's a movie. You held your breath for six minutes. Yeah.
1: Plus the you know it's there's semi superhuman mythical perfect shape if you believe yeah. the. Kind of the premise of the of the stories.
0: Well, you covered most of them, but there were some really good, interesting items. And in, and uh, yeah, Dan, for example, that hey, we'll have to talk about tomorrow because diver safety is us. Yes, and the and, and the aging diver.
1: Yeah, we're I'm all getting, getting older. Yeah, I'm, I'm the baby. Uh, now we were talking about uh, Jim getting some dives in, and the very last one he was talking about looking for that that bridge.
0: Looking for the bridge? The,
2: the bridge yeah. work? Searching for the bridge.
0: Okay, I don't know about that. What are you talking about?
2: A uh, gentleman lost his bridge work out of his dental work.
0: Oh, yeah, I remember. Okay, I thought you meant like bridge, bridge. I know, it's <laughs> mentally,
1: well, as, <laughs> as a diver, you'd, You that's not the bridge you think you'd be looking for.
0: Now, were you successful on that? You never. I never did ask.
2: Well, nope. I went back today with the metal detector, and I was telling Darren I found a three-pronged fish hook. So, I know the sensitivity was appropriate on the metal detector, but I didn't come up with any didn't work yet. So, I think the next step is the uh the mud sucker.
0: I'd love to go out there and try that myself. I mean, that sounds like a freaking challenge already.
2: Let me know you when got, you're ready.
0: Well, I got two calls from you know our friend over there in the middle of the state. He's had mm-hmm. two exercises looking for rings, and he's always looking for a, an extra. And he, that guy gave me another buzz that we want to look for his drone or not, and I said we were just not in a position to do that this year. Had he given us, you know, some heads up earlier, so there's a well, lot of challenges guy. out there we could have some fun with. Well, that that
1: that one's particularly interesting because as you were, if you're going to take the time to go suck it up, then who's to say you're not going to find other things while you're there?
0: Mm-hmm. I still want to hit that that lake that had the uh, uh, supposed UFO in it. That's that's the one I really want to go to, and I, I, have, I, don't arranged, think I have arranged to get some radiation detectors for us. <laughs> well, so we can bring up bottom samples and see if there's any any residual. I yeah. mean, it, it's been a number of years, but you still, if there was any significant radiation, you you may have some decay processes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would have had the facilities to take some samples and have them checked with both uh, hand detectors. And uh, he was going to find me some time to put it in their specialized little, like a chromograph. for yeah the, the
1: analyzer yeah I, yeah that'd be neat
0: that's still on our schedule down the road yeah
1: I'm I'm all for it let me go and know when you guys are doing this now is there was, was there any dive scheduled this weekend
0: well uh, we had one tonight uh, I I haven't posted any pictures yet oh did you go yes I did
2: <laughs> did you get in the water
0: damn it no I couldn't I okay. Uh, my neck went bad on me again last night. I stayed
2: up. Oh, did they find some goodies? Did they?
0: I'm not going to tell you. Oh, I'm not going to tell you anything about gold coins or any of that because you guys would be out there with your freaking lights.
1: Oh, wait, I got to need tell to edit.
0: You. I'm not going to tell you that on the bank, looking with the sun at your back towards the uh, towards the bridge, that you could see the bottom halfway out. But I'm not going to tell you that. Oh, and the gentleman who dove with you uh, Sunday. Mm-hmm. Making any? Do you remember his name? Mm-hmm. Well, what's his first name? I can't think of it right now. John. No, not John. There's another one out there. It starts with this. His last name to see. Lives in Edwardsburg. <clears throat> Young guy, beard.
2: Oh, he didn't dive with me on Sunday.
0: Well, he said he was out there when you guys were diving at, at the pier.
2: He might have been out on the pier, but he wasn't with us.
0: Oh, well, I thought he was diving out there. Anyway, he was there. He said he talked to you at the dive shop afterwards.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He yeah. was out
0: there. We had John out there. Uh, Maribeth, Sarah, uh, Jake, myself, and a crowd of people. <laughs> oh, wow. And it's wow. like, me, I don't need no stinking hoods. water oh. was so warm. Yeah. Fish oh, was coming I w- up, trying to bite your toes as you got in the water. It's like,
1: damn. Oh, no. gosh. It's killing me. Killing me.
0: I had to work. It's killing me. I'm sitting there, and it's oh. like, God, let me fall in by accident.
1: Yeah, I accidentally fell in, and while I was drowning, I had to pick some stuff up.
0: Yeah, that's a that's a
1: yeah. Now well, so that uh, light around the
0: water; and it doesn't hurt your neck as bad.
1: Yeah, it's therapy. Okay, Jim. Uh, I I guess I have to ask point blank did Did you find a Hutchy?
2: Yes, I did. Finally, find a Hutchy uh, after twenty seven years of diving in Michigan. I finally found a Hutchy
0: and a unique one.
1: Does it, that that doesn't mean I got to wait sixteen years till I find mine, does it?
2: I hope not.
0: <laughs>
1: oh. I, I mean, last not. week
0: they even got some stoneware out of there. Yeah, I was
2: telling about my, oh, my what, uh, rocks.
1: It, it, this is amazing! It's like somebody restocks the river. Yeah, because well, I swear we had we've...
2: to dig down a little bit to find the. It was interesting. I, I found a couple bottles on top, uh, up against a log, and you know, a nice place to catch bottles. pile of logs there, pile of sticks, a few rocks. So I, I. Settle in beside the log, and I pick up the couple of bottles, you know, fan a little bit to get them out of the loose gravel. You know, and they come up nice and easy. I set them off to the side, and I see the another piece of bottle there. So I fan around that, and that one comes up, and it shows me another bottle lying next to it. So I fan that one out, so I'm at four bottles now in a hole maybe a foot in diameter and two inches deep, three inches deep. So I keep working that, and then I, you know, when I finally get the second bottle, second layer of bottles out, I see, you know, some glass below that, so I fan that. Ended up with a hole about two feet wide, three feet long, and maybe a foot deep. And that's where I found the medicine bottles on the bottom. And it was, you know, it was funny that I knew I'd finally hit the bottom because the gravel got into Almost fist size rocks, yeah. maybe half a fist size rocks. Where above that, it was smaller stone and smaller gravel. So I got down the, you know, pay dirt, huh. as, as the uh, mining guys call it. We got down the bedrock.
1: Yeah. See, the the thing on that is, I'm surprised. The gravel was this gravel that had worked in from the bank where the gravel came from, or is the currents just heavy, strong enough certain times of the year that it brings gravel with it?
2: Um. I think the gravel's always there. It's just a matter of washing on down. Uh, Jake okay. did paste some photos tonight already. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh. There's another medicine bottle.
0: Did you guys take a on Facebook of uh, the to dive today, tonight?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Looking Jake, the some photos.
0: There's a couple of nice-looking medicines. One looks like a sarsaparilla. near left hand. I'll have
2: to see if you got... Oh, there they are. Well, there's yes, some photos. Yep, right, there's, that's there's Adam with the beard.
1: Yeah, there's the, a beer, a beer bottle, uh, kind of a creamery bottle with embossing.
2: Yeah, oh, man, that's sweet. What, what's the, the little figurine in the front? Yeah, let's, let's see. see fig, one photo's got a bunch of bottles in it, but it shows a figurine oh, wow. in the front.
0: Who's there's the other? Three- who? Go ahead. I'm just looking at some of the Man, that's some good stuff out of here. Yeah. I'm looking at another picture, and, and then a license tag, hubcap, yeah, some keys. Yeah, the,
2: the one Something. That one with the hubcap in it, yeah. that's a sweet-looking little bottle on the far right. That's he yep. have
0: got a close-up of, that, of the, the keys and stuff.
2: Mm-hmm. Keys and a phone. I don't know if it's a that's phone, but it's...
0: Nice milk. But the one of the four of them together, five of them together, that's uh-huh. a, the one by Maribeth left hand looks like a, a sarsaparilla bottle, a big one, nice one.
2: Let me, let me get to that one.
1: Okay. Yeah. But the license plate's not that old. It didn't take long. No. It crowed up. Yeah, that's a fairly recent one. Same thing in the car keys. Yeah, that's a GM. Uh, let's see some wire. Now, who's Sarah? Where's where, where she from?
2: Sarah's you been to a couple Sa- club meetings. You know
1: Sarah. Oh, oh, yeah, I do know Sarah. Okay,
2: yeah, okay. She just got certified.
0: Yeah. Right.
1: Okay. Now, now it make. Okay. Now I got it.
0: Yeah, because she came on down. To dive with Mary Marybeth, and so yeah. Marybeth, it's uh, you know how we do that payback. I babysat uh-huh. Mirabeth, so she took her under her wing, and they said cool. the shallows, went upstream uh, to the section, uh, you know, protected by the uh, of there by the by the bridge. By the pipe. Yep. Well, we got in at the pipe. They went north or went oh, okay. upstream, so they were in a protected area. So it's a good place to start out for.
1: Yeah, because you've got the mm-hmm. it's there's not as much current there, right? Uh, but that's nice. I I think that does a lot for helping develop your skills when you have to mentor somebody well that's what i like I talk- that
2: big that big black bottle on the right hand side yeah it looks yeah. Looked like a crock oh it's yeah. a white mouth well, yeah. what is
1: that i haven't i haven't seen a bottle like that before
2: I'll bet that's but- more of a pottery than a than a glass good finds
0: yeah they had a good time there
2: yeah, yeah that, that section of the river really gives up some nice treasures
0: yeah well and you figured they st- everybody stayed on this side with the exception of uh john he went across
2: they stayed on this
0: side yeah that would not across Whoa. John went across. Yeah. Because uh, he's the only one who's got a lot more experience because Adam mm-hmm. is relatively new to the river game. Okay. And the other one was more of a training dive with Mayor Yeah. So. How
1: is the current?
2: Uh, you guys will have to get the. We'll have to post these on the. the make, we'll make on sure the club later. The site. I'll, I'll be updating the club the site. Club look site. at them so they can see yeah. these.
0: I'll be updating the club site uh, with last month's dives and the first ones uh, yeah, this so- weekend.
1: Yep, that's uh, MugClub.SkubaObsessed.com is the club site. Do you, you got anything you want to plug, Jim? Any events coming up?
2: No, not at
0: the moment. You got Sheboygan. Sheboygan. Well, club that's not dive. an event
2: to plug. Yeah, we're going up to Sheboygan for the week, and, and
0: yeah, you know, to, it, there and,
2: is. It's it's not too late to register for the swap sale at Wolf's. If anyone's interested in doing the flea market, anything boating related. It's twenty dollars for a table. Uh, for the night and table and two chairs for the day mm-hmm. and uh, anything boating related. And we are going to have some real bargains from the shop out there. If you know of any females looking for a wetsuit, or if you know of anybody that could fit into a woman's wetsuit, most of them are smaller, you know, like women's size 12. Okay. That size. Um, Or anyone who youth, you know, uh, preteens that need a wetsuit—we have got some super bargains that will be available. Excellent.
1: Yeah, my my son unfortunately he won't, doesn't fit in that category. My daughter maybe, but yeah, you know, we'll have to see.
2: Uh, yeah, we're we're talking dirt cheap.
1: Cool. Well, you got anything, Mac? You want to plug?
0: No, nah, not right now. Just hey, this is the dog days of September, and if the river's like this, hey, you guys need to be getting out there
1: oh i i do i i'm kicking myself for not going today i really needed to i, I need to get wet i i'm i, I was i kind of rode off diving this weekend but i think i'm gonna be all prepped for it and if i can escape
2: if if nothing else get into the river
1: yeah yeah maybe monday that might be that might be my
2: dive day is monday labor day
1: well are we to that time of the show are you guys ready
0: yeah,
2: I'm, I'm ready. Least. I missed the last week. I wasn't, you know, able to get on the show last week, so I'm definitely ready to listen to hear a good one.
1: Okay. Well, I, I think we'll. I think what we'll do is uh, th- th- uh, we'll we'll do a twofer tonight. The, the first one's kind of a warm up, uh, an appetizer, and then the second one is, is not any better, but I don't think I don't think we can handle three.
0: Well, we so, are doing a really good job of posting. Scuba bad jokes <laughs> yes,
1: and I am going to add that to the website. I'm going to go and start posting just the jokes. I'm going to go through all the old episodes of the jokes and i and I may even edit out just the joke part and post uh, so if people who just need to get uh, a little fix they could they could get some. Also, I did have an email I forgot before we get into the joke part. I did have an email from Mark in California. And it was in response to talking about TalkShoe and the chat room in general. And his experience is that he's had a couple times he's tried to get in the chat room and he can't. And it sounds like you had the same experience tonight, Mac.
0: Absolutely. It just drove me nuts. I tried three different ways. I tried no sign in, sign in. It would not accept anything I did. and,
1: And the thing with TalkShoe and kind of the economics behind why I use them, one is they're free. And what they do offer would cost me a lot of money to do, which is the hosting. Because every time you download, that's bandwidth. And all the ISPs have decided that bandwidth is the way to meter and charge. And it kind of goes that the more bandwidth you use, it must be more successful so they can charge more. But in our case, since we don't make money on this, uh, it can get quite a bit expensive. So I'm looking for some options. I'm doing some research this week on other solutions so it may be a hybrid, but I think I can do a different chat room, and maybe that will make things a little bit better. Because we, we had a while there we had 20, 25 people in the chat room, and that chat room takes on its life of its own. And if we get enough people in the chat room, we can do an after-the-show, which becomes a podcast. So,
0: How many did you have t- uh, tonight?
1: Tonight, I think we had about six throughout the course of the night.
0: Okay, because when I was trying to get on, it looked like you had four, and I didn't know if you're your standard four or not.
1: We probably never had more than four at any one time, but there were some people that came in in and out. So we had like Mark and Vanessa and Roger and Sam.
0: It would be nice to know their feedback also of how much problems they're having because we see them there a lot. So, mm -hmm. you know, are they having problems, but they just refuse to be intimidated and they keep coming back for more pain?
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, what I I know of TalkShoe, at least from the phone side, is that- they're they're using a call center type solution. It's, it's uh, I call it legacy. You know, it's an older technology, which doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Uh, but they also because it is a bank, there's times I'll call in and instead of saying talk shoe, it says it's some conferencing service. So there is some, and knowing how phone systems work, I know why that happens. It's just it tells me that it's that there's some capacity limitations, and I know when we originally started to show years ago, Thursday night was one of the worst nights to do it because there was some. There, if you if you look at all the podcasts that are being recorded live, there are some, and they're usually private ones talking about real estate or marketing schemes, and those will have 120 people or so in it, and that can get quite. And the part that we don't use. Because what we do is how we're talking, we're talking through Skype. And that Skype connection is how what we're recording and hearing. But everybody who gets in the talk shoe, if I turn it on, they could actually talk and participate in the show. The audio quality is so poor I don't do that. But that is an option. So that's part of the solution that they have, which we don't necessarily utilize. So I'm going to look for a streaming option because that's the challenging part is to have something that live as we're talking is streaming. And then they go along with the streaming as a chat. So it either could be the same service that does the streaming, or there's some separate chat services. We did have a listener who owns a chat service who kind of pitched it. You know, of course, he'd wanted me to pay for it, but uh, uh, so that's that's some things I'll, I'll be looking at. The website we're keeping updated. You can follow us on iTunes. Also, make sure if you you like us and other outdoor programs, you tune into WRVO Radio. WRVO Radio com or Reno viola outdoor, Re- Outdoors.com, uh and listen to us and other outdoor programs oh, let's see there's something else I, I had on my on my mind and it just escaped me now I think that's a clue for a joke Go for it okay doctor everything hurts when I touch it hmm let me see touch your arm does that hurt Yes doctor now when you touch your knee does that hurt ouch yes that hurts too now touch your chest how's that Oh it hurts just as much doctor Just a thought. Your finger's broken. So that was a warm-up. Kind of get you in the mood. And then we have this next one. A pregnant woman was involved in a car accident. While at the hospital, she fell into a coma. When she woke days later, the woman noticed that she was no longer carrying a child and asked, Doctor, what happened to my baby? The doctor replied, Ma'am, you had twins. You're the proud mother of a handsome boy and a beautiful baby girl. Also, you you know that while you were in a coma, your brother named the children for you. Oh, no, shrieked the woman. Not my brother. He's not really all together. If you know what I mean, the doctor replied. Well, ma'am, your brother named your daughter Denise. Oh, that's not so bad," smiled the woman. Then hesitantly she asked, "What's the boy's name?" The doctor grinned and said, "The nephew." Uh.
0: <sighs> Too bad the kids will never know their uncle. <laughs> you, you think when she I'm, gets I'm out there,
2: I'm glad he was not a fireman because he'd have named the boy first.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, want
2: to hear the rest of that? Sure, the boy would have been Jose, uh-huh. and the girl would have been Jose B.
1: <laughs> On that note, go out there and get
0: wet <laughs> and stay safe
2: and please submit some bad scuba jokes cuz we're scraping the bottom of the barrel
0: <laughs> these are the bad
2: of course they're all they're all on the bottom of the barrel that's why they're bad scuba jokes
1: recording has been completed.